think everyone has a picture when they hear the word sales rep in their head of what a sales rep does or what that means. And I have definitely found that my version of that when I said I don't want to be in sales has certainly been flipped on its head. It is really difficult to find a role that doesn't require some sort of sales skills. Really what I have found is that sales is a combination of being a really good problem solver, really good at communication, and really good at working with people. I like to build. I like to build things that are meaningful, and it's a lot easier to work hard when you're building something that you think is making a big impact. Sarah Young has always been driven to make a meaningful impact in her community and in the lives of others. This desire to build something great has led her to mission-driven technology companies, where she has leveraged her skill set in sales to have maximum impact. If you're someone who's good at connecting with others, problem solving, and communicating ideas, consider how you can be the most impactful with your unique skill set through a career in some form of sales. Today, Sarah is the VP of Sales for 120 Water, where she works with government organizations and water utilities to protect public health through ensuring safe drinking water systems across the U.S. Great salespeople are the world's most powerful influencers. And when that influence is put towards meaningful impact on society, we can all truly change lives. I know you'll enjoy hearing this example from Sarah Young. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I have a very cool guest for you today. Her name is Sarah Young. Some of you from Vector Marketing in Indiana might know her as Sarah Norris. Uh, she started out selling Cutco in 2009, became a branch manager in 2010, and then worked closely with Brett Wiggins for quite a while, helping with his office and with the Indiana division. Sarah graduated from college and went through a variety of different roles, mostly in sales. And now she is the VP of sales for 120 Water, which is an organization that works with government municipalities and water utilities to ensure safe drinking water and protect public health. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Dan. It's so great to be with you. Excellent. Well, I'm grateful to have you here today. Looking forward to having a great conversation and getting to know you a little bit and sharing your story and lessons with our audience. Take us back to 2009. 
and uh, how you got started with Cutco. Yeah, it's uh, been a little while since then. Uh, hard to believe. But I got started with Cutco initially. It was the summer after my freshman year of college. And I was really committed when I was at college. I thought I wanted to go into non-for-profit management. And that's the way that I wanted to really make a difference. And so I was volunteering at a summer camp for half the summer. It was a great job. I was driving jet skis and lifeguarding all summer, which was pretty fun. But as you can imagine, my parents said, you need to find a way to make money. And I had a couple of friends who were selling Cutco and my family had owned Cutco for a long time. And so I said, okay, well, this allows me to have some flexibility to go work at camp for the summer, but also still kind of have a job and make some money. And so lo and behold, walked in. I went through an interview with Brett Wiggins at our Indianapolis office when he was the pilot sales manager of Indianapolis and uh, he hired me. And so that's how I got started. Excellent. So you you had a chance to start out with Brett in the very early days of Brett Wiggins. Yes. Um, I definitely want to ask you a little bit more about that as we progress here today. Uh, but tell me what stands out from that first summer from your rep experience. Yeah. So my rep experience, as I said, I would I went into it doing something where I felt like I just had to to get my parents off my back. But it wasn't something where I was like, oh, I'm super committed. This was more of a, I would like to do the bare minimum so that I can make a little bit of money, but mostly something flexible that uh, allowed me to go, you know, do fun stuff like go to concerts with my friends and other fun things that you do, you know, as a college student in the summer. And so I remember though, when I came back, you know, I had been working for about a month and a half before I left for summer camp. And when I got back from camp, I was very much like, okay, I don't really feel the need to work super hard. But there was this thing called SC2 coming up at the <laughs> end of the month. And everyone was all excited about it in the office. I was like, I just don't get what the big deal is. And so Brett decided, could tell that I was uh, kind of one foot out the door not super committed. And so he took me out for a very fancy lunch uh, at a place called Fizzoli's. Some of you may know. And he just talked to me all about SC2 and why I should go. And I was like, oh my gosh, fine. Like I will go there. Everyone else seems really excited about it. So I committed to going to SC2. And it was after that event that I definitely, my mind, my mindset uh, really flipped And I went from doing this because I felt like I kind of had to, to feeling like I really wanted to, and that there was an opportunity that I could really take advantage of. What was it that came up there at SC2 that caused you to have that, that mind flip? I don't think I quite realized the magnitude of the, A, just the sheer number of students like me who were doing this seeing people who were having tons of success and were really committed to this and what it looked like. You know, I remember uh, one of the, there were a couple girls in my division, you know, one of them, Ashley Bishop at the time, she was just selling a massive amount of Cutco at the time. And I was like, holy cow, like I thought selling $5,000 in like a month and a half was, was fine. She's selling like 50,000 in two weeks. That's crazy to me. I remember in particular seeing other, you know, branch managers and people who were my age who were basically, you know, running offices and having a lot of success. 
And Jeff Bry, for those of you that have heard Jeff Bry speak, obviously is very impactful. And so I remember his kind of dream big speech and a couple of other things, you know, that really stuck out to me. I was like, oh, there's just a lot of opportunity here that I didn't realize and a lot of opportunity for college students. And yeah. so that's really what kind of got me interested in, you know, committing, I guess. Yeah. That's good to hear. I mean, we obviously have so many young people that come into Vector every summer and we just hope that they get a chance to realize that this is so much more than just a job selling knives for the summer. If people want it to be that, uh, there's a, a whole lot of doors that can open up for advancement, for learning, for growth, for leadership, all the things that you've taken advantage of that you took advantage of later that sometimes people don't see and glad that you, you went to that SC2 and you had a chance to see all of those things and, and definitely, uh, were able to make the most of it afterwards. So you went from being a rep that summer and you went, you were a branch manager the next summer, right? Yeah. So I went on from SC2 to be at least in our region, the number one rep in our region for the month of August and, you know, selling as much as I had, you know, more than I had in three months and sold more than that in three weeks. And so going into the school year, you know, I, I wanted to go, I was interested in going through kind of leadership academy training or management training. I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to do that the next summer, but I at least wanted to keep my options open. Right. I ended up branching uh, yeah, in 2010, that following summer. How was your branch experience? I'm pretty sure I called my mom and said, I'm really sorry, because I realized that managing people was probably a little bit like being a parent in some cases. <laughs> and I just remember being like, I'm so sorry that I was such a jerk. But you know, I mean, managing people is hard. But at the same time, it was an incredibly rewarding experience. Like going and doing something on your own and having success yourself is great. Helping teach someone else and watch that person grow and have success and realizing potential in some cases that that individual didn't even know that they had themselves is a really, really cool experience. And so I think that that really sparked my interest in wanting to create opportunities for others, help them grow and develop and reach kind of their goals and success that they wanted to achieve. That was really well said. I think that there's something great about our own achievements. I mean, it's always fun to hit goals and do stuff, but it's just, it doesn't compare to when you invest yourself into someone else and you see them produce, it's creating something special at a whole different level than it is when you just do it on your own. So definitely a fun part of being a manager that I've enjoyed. I'm sure Brett feels a little bit of that way about you. He's probably yeah. thinking that right now as he's listening to this. <laughs> and I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience directly with Brett. Like he he was really new in uh, the management game of Vector at the time that you started working with him. And he has really blossomed into one of the top managers in the company now and is really super highly regarded throughout the company. Yeah. So I think it'd be, it'd be kind of interesting if we spent a minute or two and just got a little insight into the young Brett. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? I feel like Brett was like my big brother that I never had for a while. Someone who pushes you and definitely makes fun of you when you deserve it or when you don't, but you also don't want to disappoint that person and you want to grow. And so I think that Brett, I don't know, I'm sure that he's continued to to grow as a leader and it was really cool as I worked with him to see him, you know, continue to evolve and take on more and more responsibility. 
as a manager. And he has this really unique ability. And I think to be empathetic and relate to people and understand them and make them feel heard and understood while still driving action and outcomes and goals and being laser focused on execution. And I think it's really rare to find that in a leader. And he finds that balance really well. I think some people call it like the attractiveness versus power scale, like leaders who, when you think of all the power words, can sometimes lead with with fear. And then those on the kind of attractiveness scale, if you will, are highly empathetic and trusting and finding a balance as a leader in kind of the middle to do both is just, it's really hard. And Brett is someone who I think really embodies that and I think has continued to grow. And I've seen him continue to find more of that balance in his leadership style and embrace that as he's continued to grow as a leader. Yeah, excellent. One of my recent podcast guests used the expression, love tough, where you really love the people that you work with. You're great at connecting with people. You create high level of rapport, close relationships but you're also willing to hold them accountable because you want to see them succeed and you're committed to helping them succeed. And when I think about that concept of love tough, it just sort of, Brett sort of strikes me as the kind of guy that has that ability to do that well. 100%. He cares so deeply about the people on his team and who work and seeing potential, no matter what that person has done before, where they are in their life, they may not look like the A student or the perfect ideal rep, whatever that may be. But he has a really strong belief and he will work hard to help someone be successful if they want that too. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about Brett right there. I I like that. I appreciate that. How do you feel, Sarah, that your Cutco experience overall helps to prepare you for your future career? I think it every day something happens and I'm like, oh man, like, Huh. I did. I took that for granted at the time. Uh, and now I realize that my Cutco experience helped me get to that point. And so there's a few things, you know, that really stand out to me. I mean, first of all, just selling and selling skills and learning what it takes to sell something. Cutco has a great sales process to find. I mean, companies spend thousands and thousands of dollars trying to train sales reps to follow the same exact concepts that are taught during Cutco training. Mm -hmm. And when you think about developing muscle memory, if you will, it's like developing those skills really early on that become a foundation. And it makes it a lot easier. As I've gone through various sales roles, I've been able to think, oh, okay, I've done this thing before, not exactly in the same way, but it's a very similar concept. Now I just have to apply a new product or a slightly different process to that. And the fact that I had already kind of developed that muscle a little bit uh, early on working with Cutco on sales skills allowed me, I think, to really accelerate my growth and progress in those sales roles when I you know, needed to make 100 cold calls in a day, or I needed to be persistent, professionally persistent in the face of rejection or how to frame value to somebody on a broader scale. So sales skills, first and foremost, learning how to work hard, be committed to something and talk to people. Presentation skills, first and foremost, I remember uh, I was... So I've worked predominantly in scale-up software companies since I, I left Cutco. And 
I remember being part of an organization where I was a sales development representative. So my job was really focused on scheduling meetings, making cold calls regularly. And we had this sales kind of pitch competition. Uh, I was by far the youngest on the team. And, you know, folks who were many years my senior who were selling these big multi-million dollar enterprise kind of accounts. Uh, And so for them to offer to include the SDR team in this pitch competition was kind of like, oh, yeah, you guys can do that, too. And so I remember after that pitch, we had a new VP who had just started and he pulled me aside and he said, I did a really great job on the pitch, which I knew I was going to do that because I've had to give lots and lots of presentations through my (laughs) experience. But I remember he pulled me aside after that and he said, you know, and this is a guy who's been an executive at Salesforce said to me, I have never seen somebody, especially so young and inexperienced in sales, be so poised and present so well, especially in a group of your peers, which tends to be one of the most nerve wracking uh, experiences. And very quickly after that, he promoted me to being an outside sales rep and actually, you know, taking a full cycle closing role, if you will. Amazing. Very cool. You know, I do believe that sales translates over to virtually any career opportunity because we're always using our skills to influence other people in some manner. We may not always be selling a product per se, but oftentimes we're selling ideas uh, Mm -hmm. or concepts, or we're just trying to get someone to understand and agree with a way that we think about something. And we have to learn how to connect. We have to learn how to use the right words. We have to learn how to use the right tonality. We have to learn how to use the right timing. There's so many things that are part of everyday life where learning how to sell applies directly and can help one be successful. So it's cool to hear that you you learned a lot about that during your cut code days and that helped you. Absolutely. I would say the other piece that has really been impactful, there, there are a number of things, but the people management side has been really important. Managing people is hard and also incredibly rewarding. And actually just managing people when they're on your team, but even recruiting and hiring because half your job as a manager is making sure that you know when people interview with you, that they want to work for you and want to work with you as a boss. And so having so much interview experience as a branch manager and a sales manager was incredibly helpful and the management experience in learning how to set goals and set expectations and recognize people when they do good work. Those are all things that I have to do on a daily basis and have done in my managerial roles. And I think that Cutco really set me up to have that skill set and even to have the opportunity to earn those promotions in the first place. Excellent. That's great to hear. So when you got done with college and your, you know, your Cutco career was kind of coming to a close, what was it that you wanted to do? I definitely didn't want to do sales. Uh, <laughs> I was a hundred percent sure that sales was not my path. I thought maybe HR, something working with people. I was pretty good at recruiting. So I thought maybe a recruiting path was more where I wanted to go. That was a skill that I wanted to do or use, but I wasn't really sure, you know, exactly. I knew I wanted to work with people. I knew that I wanted to make a meaningful impact. As I told you, I thought that I wanted to go a non-for-profit management route, 
I thought that that was the way that I was going to be able to really make an impact in people's lives. And then one thing that selling Cutco really taught me is that I also really liked making money and had a lifestyle that I wanted to lead. Non-for-profit management was not going to support that. So (laughs) I needed to find a way that I could still make a meaningful impact while still reaching my own kind of financial goals, still working with people. I was really excited about moving abroad. I thought that I wanted to go work abroad uh, and do something, you know, see the world and explore the world more. So these were kind of, I had an idea of building blocks that I wanted to be present in whatever I chose to do, but I wasn't sure exactly what those building blocks were going to create or set me up for at the time. Yeah. So where did the path take you? Tell us about uh, how things evolved. Well, at the beginning of the podcast, as Dan said, I'm now a VP of sales. So that whole not going a sales route didn't work out very well for me. Also, when you're a college grad and you have sales experience, people want to hire you for sales because nobody comes out of college with sales experience. And so I was finding that when I was interviewing for different roles, a lot of them were like, are you, are you sure that you don't want to do sales? Like, we could really fill... We think you'd be a great fit for your sales role. And it finally got to a point where I was like, okay, fine. Like Enough people have said this to me that like I found a company that I really, really liked, that I really wanted to work for. And the manager of that team, I really liked and wanted to work for. And so I said, okay, here's the deal. I don't really want to do sales, but I will try this for a little while and we'll see how it goes. And so she was on board with that. Obviously, she knew that I was going to do fine and want to keep doing that. So <laughs> that's when I really found myself being start getting started uh, in a software sales career. And awesome. what I learned was that not all sales are created equal. There's lots of different types of sales. There's lots of different types of sales processes and different skills that are needed to be successful in different sales roles. And it was through that that I realized that I loved technology sales, software sales. I also loved working with technology in really meaningful markets, especially that may have not had access to modern technology. Things like healthcare. I worked in in healthcare for quite a while, healthcare technology, then employee benefits, and now in water, which are still areas where I feel like I can make a really meaningful impact and also you know, work in technology and work in sales. Tell us a little bit about these different roles. You've played at least three or four different sales roles. And you referenced just now that different sales roles have different types of skill sets and different things that are required. Could you unpack that a little bit and just share a little bit about your experiences? Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone has a picture when they hear the word sales rep in their head of what a sales rep does or what that means. And I have definitely found that my version of that when I said I don't want to be in sales uh, has certainly been flipped on its head. It is really difficult to find a role that doesn't require some sort of sales skills. I mean, our director of product is coming with me next week to a pros- or to meet with a customer and he his expertise is really more technical, but he is putting on you know, a sales skills hat that he needs to help figure out and problem solve and find the best solution for customers. And so really what I have found is that sales is a combination of being a really good problem solver and really good at communication and really good at working with people. 
And those are the three things that I think really, you know, someone who's driven to achieve, those are the types of qualities that make, you know, a successful seller. So for me in particular, uh, I've been in, you know, a sales development rep role, which was very much, you know, lots of cold calling, lots of setting meetings. I've been in a, a more transactional sales role where we're selling, you know, smaller deals on a faster cadence, enterprise sales, which typically take a cut call meeting can take two hours, maybe an hour to two hours, maybe. And you know, at the end of that, whether or not you've sold, you know, your homemaker plus eight or not. For me, an enterprise sale could have been 12 to 18 months where I work with 30 different people to help figure out what's the right solution for them. Uh, And so in those deals take a long time, but they can be a lot bigger. I've also worked in more of a partner channel roles where I'm supporting another group of salespeople in selling their products, but I help enable them on the solutions that we're providing, helped with sales training sales operations, which is how do we make sure that when a customer buys a solution for us, how do we make sure that we're delivering that appropriately and collaborating across all the teams who are involved in making that customer very happy once they've purchased something. And I've been on the customer side where you know I'm working with a big strategic client who, you know, could maybe buys one solution from us, but could be buying lots of other solutions from us. So I have to really get to know their business and understand what are additional problems that we could potentially be solving for them. Mm. So that was a lot of good stuff right there, especially where you talked about the three areas that are important for for sales that you feel. Uh, Problem solving was one of them. And then communication skills was another. And then just the people skills side of it and being able to connect, right? Establish trust those sorts of things. That's a great trifecta of skills that that really do apply to virtually anything that anyone could do. And it's awesome to see that you've worked hard to master those things. Every role you've had, you have been able to advance very quickly in. What do you feel are the personal characteristics you've brought to the table that have enabled you to advance so quickly? This sounds kind of basic, but working hard, first Mm -hmm. of all, and being committed to the work that you're doing. I say that because there are a lot of people who just aren't willing to do that. Mm -hmm. And they come in and, you know, they want to be promoted after three months and not put in the hours and the time that it actually takes. So first and foremost, being committed to the work that you're doing and working hard. And then I think, as I said earlier, part of it is having the skill set already, being able to communicate effectively, being able to help problem solve, being able to present well to people. Those were things that I think really helped me listening well. Uh, Those are communication skills things. So I think that's what really helped me move from kind of individual contributor sales roles. And then when it came to the management perspective, the fact that I had management experience already was really helpful that I had built from Cutco. And then once I got into the role that, you know, and then was able to have success in that role since, again, I'd done it somewhat before. And so being able to apply those skills allowed me to then go, you know, have success, uh, which then opened up new opportunities uh, for me, you know, to pursue. So for example, at 120, when I started at 120, I was our director of sales. I had a team of four a year and a half, not even a year and a half later, a little over a year later, I'm our VP of sales and I have a team of 20. 
And so part of that, that really helped me excel as I recruited really strong people to come be on my team. You can only be as good as uh, your team. And the more you can have, you know, attract a great group of people to come work with you and they can help your organization grow. I, you know, have a phenomenal team of other sales leaders who are great managers and helping build their own kind of teams and be successful. So I think those recruiting and people management skills have allowed me to continue to grow. Great. Tell us a little more about 120 Water and what you do there. Sure. So um, as you mentioned earlier, 120 Water focuses on working with municipalities, state, federal government, but mostly water utilities to make sure that water utilities provide safe drinking water. Uh, We predominantly actually focus on lead abatement, which means um, reducing consumption of lead. Uh, Some of you maybe may have heard a lot in the news lately about getting lead pipes out of the ground. So we we really help support those programs. Uh, And then we also work with governments on providing, you know, other public health related programs like Uh, I know in one state, we're helping on a private wells program to help remove arsenic from wells. So really helping provide kind of clean drinking water. And then on the flip side on wastewater, we also help uh, states monitor using wastewater networks, which may sound weird, but you can learn a lot um, from wastewater networks about things like drug use and the spread of diseases like polio or COVID. And so we provide kind of these public health programs that are related to kind of water monitoring. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit more about 120 in particular. What I do, what my team does is we focus, you know, on selling those solutions within the different markets. So municipalities, uh, water systems, state and federal government, and then working through all of our partners. So we don't do this by ourselves. Oftentimes we work with civil engineering firms and other, you know, great partners that are kind of adjacent to us in our market. And so we work on developing new partnerships and launching new partnerships bringing in new clients and helping new clients as well as, you know, managing our existing clients and helping them continue to grow. Hmm. And are you focused in primarily in Indiana or is the, is the reach outside of Indiana as well? Yeah, we work all over the country. We have a presence in about 30 States today uh, and continuing that I, we add a couple of States and, We've had probably over 100 new customers in the last two months that have come on board. So we're growing really quickly. Yeah. And what what motivates you every day as you're working? You talked about the importance of working hard and, you know, working on your skills and all those sorts of things. Like what, what inspires you to do that every day? I am inspired both by the work that we're doing as a company. I'm also really inspired by the people that I work with every day. Those are two things that are really important to me. And, and outside of even just the team that you know is our sales team, I work with a lot of really talented folks on the teams you know adjacent to me that I spend a lot of time collaborating with on a regular basis. And so I like to build. I like to build things that are meaningful. And it's a lot easier to work hard when you're building something that you think is making a big impact. And right now, you know, I, I believe very strongly in the impact that we are making at 120. And, you know, 
it's great to work with like-minded people who are all working together in pursuit of that common goal. Yeah, that that was really uh, cool what you said there about, you know, you like to build things that are meaningful. It's easier to apply yourself when you know you're having some type of impact. You, you've used the words meaningful impact a number of times in describing some of the different roles you've played. And it's just clear that you aspire to leave something great in the world because you were there, that you're not just going to work so that you can get a paycheck and then you know live the lifestyle you want, but you really want to make a difference. And I think that's really inspiring and it's great to hear. And I just, I feel like if everybody can find a role that pays them what they want to earn, that allows them to have that powerful impact that people can just experience a much greater level of fulfillment in life if, uh, if they find that. So it's cool that you have found that with what you're doing now. Yeah. I probably should have said this earlier when you asked what took me back into sales, but part of the reason why I decided to get back into sales is I said, okay, I have a unique skill set that only is mine. How can I make the most impact and be the most meaningful in the world based on my unique skill set? And so it while also still reaching the goals that I wanted to attain. And so as I was going through this process and I was working with a mentor of mine in doing that and talking through these things, it became very clear to me that the way that I could be the most impactful with my unique skill set was through sales roles and sales roles with companies. Like, as I said, I've mostly worked in scale-up software companies. That's really where I felt like I had the opportunity to make that most or the most impact. Very cool. As you're working with your team at 120, are there any elements of the Cutco Vector culture that you feel like you've tried to you know, pull from the past and install in the company that you're with now? Yeah. And part of that is on each of the teams that I've been on, I've had uh, a, at least a former Cutco rep in addition to myself. So uh, <laughs> part of that is, a, I mean, and even just building a network is great. I have found a lot of, you know, former Vector alums that, you know, have come and, you know, worked either with me or on my teams, which is great. And it is kind of fun. We joke and about Cutco regularly on our, our sales meetings sometimes. I would say general like recognition. That's something I feel like I always heard. I mean, like my parents or, or parents of other reps that I would talk to, like, oh, we never get recognized at work. Very clear goals, very transparent goals, sharing with the team. I think that that's something that Cutco culture wise does really well. And then recognition, treating people who do work hard and achieve, like recognizing them for it. And having fun while you do it, like it do, everything doesn't have to be serious. You can have fun, and I would say that that is definitely something that I try to bring into the culture of the teams that I work in. Yeah, it, it seems like recognizing people for the work they do would be such a simple thing that should happen everywhere, but it it really doesn't. And I think that what is important for anybody, if you're running an organization or a team, or you're you're a, certainly if you're a Cutco manager, is that you you develop a system for recognition and appreciation. A system means that there's a cadence at which you're always thinking about, hey, who did well? Who can I recognize, right? In Cutco, for example, we have weekly team meetings. And that's a natural time for you to think about, well, what went well last week? Mm -hmm. Who can I recognize? Who can I spotlight, right? 
And so there's that, there's a system to make sure that we're constantly recognizing and appreciating. And therefore it becomes a habit. It becomes a part of, of how we operate on a regular basis. And that enables us to make sure that people are feeling the love for the work that they're doing. So just yeah. having that system in place is really key. So there'll be a lot of young Cutco reps listening, Sarah, who don't know if they want to be in sales. They don't know what they want to do after college or after Cutco. What advice would you have for people who are just trying to find their way and figure out what's next for them? Yeah, I don't know that even people who I taught who in college did think that they knew exactly what they wanted to do. The amount of people that I know that said, I am going to do this, that aren't doing that thing that they said they were going to do is fairly prevalent. So I, I think that everyone's kind of figuring it out as they go and something that I know Brett and many others in the vector world would always say, you know, keep your options open. That's really true. Like give yourself flexibility. It would be like, you know, your parents would say, go get A's in school. And you would be like, why do I need to get an A? But okay, well, if you have good grades, then that's going to give you a lot more options than if you don't have good grades. If you go and you work hard and develop some sales skills, that's going to open up some doors for you to be able to get, you know, jobs after school. I would say, if you're still in school right now, like you're in a unique spot in the sense that, you know, your life has been step by step from first grade to second grade, high school to college. After college, you're not competing with everybody else at your same level. You're competing with this whole pool of other people in the work environment. And you maybe have just graduated from college. I have a role right now I'm looking to fill. I have three fresh kind of college grads who are in the pipeline and I have folks who have 10 years of experience in the workforce applying for that same role. So the more you can differentiate yourself and get experience now and keep those options open for yourself, the more likely you are to be set up for success. When you do decide you know, to pursue, find a career uh, that you want to pursue. The other thing that really helped me is talking to a ton of people and asking them about what do you do in your day-to-day -day work? What is it that keeps you busy? And through some of those conversations, that really helped me. And I would just reach out like on LinkedIn to someone who it looked like they had an interesting job and I just wanted to learn and started having some, you know, in-person coffee meetings or something with them. And that helped me kind of better define paths that I did and didn't want to go down. Such excellent advice. I just had a, a recent podcast. Uh, the guest name is Sean O'Keefe. He's a college professor out here in California. And, uh, and he wrote a book called Launch Your Career. And he describes in there just connecting with professionals. And that we often don't think that people will be willing to help us. But in reality, most professionals, they actually like having some you know younger person who's ambitious reach out to them and connect with them and, and ask them questions and even ask for a lunch or a coffee and you know, be able to gain insight from them and build that, that, that relationship that can lead to, you know, some greater connections down the road. So I like that aspect of, uh, of trying to connect with people, of course, gaining experience is going to help you. And then just being open to the options that are around you. There's a Japanese expression called Ikigai, which is a combination of four things. It's something that you enjoy doing that you're good at, that you can be paid well for, and also that has impact that the world needs, 
right? And when you can find that those four things in something, you're in a great place. And when I think about, you know, people that are doing well at Cutco and like it, like you have that, right? Finding a role like you have in your career now, Sarah, you you have that. You're doing something that I assume you enjoy, you're good at it, you you're able to be paid well enough for it and it's it's an important thing that the world needs. And so looking for that combination to me is a is a great idea. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's in a sales company or it's in some other place. If you find that combination, then you found something that's pretty good. So it's cool to hear that you've been able to do that. Nick. So as you look into the future, Sarah, if you think about the podcast theme here is changing lives. And as you look ahead, how would you aspire to change people's lives through the influence that you have on them? I want to continue the work that I'm doing now, you know, whether that is you know, continuing to grow and build teams and help others on their along their sales journey and their sales career development. It is a personal point of pride that I measure myself on on how my teams are growing. You know, are they getting promoted? Are they moving to other roles that they want to? So I think that's the more micro aspect uh, of how I intend to do that. And more macro aspect, I think continuing to work in industries. I actually, I really love the water industry. It's something that I have been, I could definitely see myself staying in. Water is such, you know, an important resource impacts every single one of us every single day. So it's an industry that I could see myself continuing to grow and, and make an impact in both with 120 and, and beyond when that may make sense in kind of different sales roles or different problem-solving roles that may make sense in the future. Yeah. Excellent. That's great to hear. And of course, as you grow others on your team, there'll be a multiplier effect through them and the impact that they have on others. And, uh, you know, this ripple effect that we all can create can become massive over time. And so, you know, congratulations on having an opportunity to impact people in a positive way and being in an industry that's important and and, and doing something that's uh, very worthwhile. So I appreciate all you've shared here today, Sarah. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Thank you very much. All right. That was Sarah Young. Interesting to hear how Sarah started out in Cutco, you know, not necessarily taking it super seriously, just kind of wanted to have some fun, get her parents off her back, make some money, have a job that was flexible. I think a lot of people start out that way. And then there comes a point in time where you realize that there is something bigger here in Cutco Vector that you can be a part of. And for anybody who's a new rep who might be listening to this, you know, get to your next conference so that you can be able to see people from outside of your own team and be able to gain more of an insight into the bigness of this business and the impact that you can have on people through this business, whether it's staying here or parlaying your skills onto something else as Sarah did. She mentioned that every day something happens that makes you look back on your Cutco Vector experience and realize what you are learning. You may not realize those things in the moment right now, but later on, these will become to be more and more clear, all of the skills and insights that you are learning. She asked herself, how can I make the most impact with my skills when considering you know, what to do as a career? How can I make the most impact with my skills? 
And while she didn't intend for that to be in a, a specific sales role initially, eventually that's how things turned out for her. And she categorized sales as being a combination of problem solving plus good communication skills plus people skills, right? Building connections, building trust, those things, right? These are important in all aspects of life. And they're such great qualities to develop as a human. She referenced the importance of being open to options as you look for what you're going to do in life. And just remember that example of ikigai, I-K-I-G-A-I, Japanese expression, which is the combination of something that you enjoy doing, that you're good at, that you can be paid well for, and that adds impact in the world. When you find that, you've found something that's very powerful and great in your life. And if, as Sarah said at the end, you can be growing others through what you're doing, that's where you'll really get maximum fulfillment from your career. Hope you enjoyed this one. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 